0: Hi, beautiful people. Welcome to season four of the Allison interviews podcast. You know, my background in the entertainment industry is actually in comedy when I was in college and I will never forget this. I did an internship, I think it was after my sophomore year, with a talent agency and management company in Manhattan who represented some of the world's most talented, most incredible comedians, some of which are household names today. And it was such a dynamic, amazing environment to be in because I would work at the offices during the day and the comics would come in and out because they all worked at night. And we would just have a blast. We were all in our, I think I was like, 19 or 20, and they were all in their early 20s. And it was just so much fun. And then I'd go down to the comedy club in the West Village at night and hang out with them and watch their sets. And I look back on that phase of my life so fondly. And I've just always been such a fan of comedy and just the way that laughter can heal. I've always relied on my sense of humor to heal in all kinds of times. I mean, I've made jokes in the most inappropriate places you could possibly think of because I really do believe in just the healing art of comedy and laughter. And I'm absolutely loving Netflix as a joke. Like, I love the platform that Netflix has created for comedians. I think that they have just taken the reins and just created this incredible platform for all of these amazingly talented stand up comics to showcase their work and to just be introduced to the world in such an amazing way. And there was one stand-up special on Netflix that caught my attention. You know, when you're like scrolling through trying to figure out what to watch. So I'm scrolling through Netflix and I see this one stand-up special and it's called Catherine Cohen, The Twist. She's gorgeous. And I was like, oh my God, like I just never like clicked so fast in my life. I was like, what is this? So I start watching it and I hadn't seen Catherine Cohen's work before, but Her stand up special on Netflix, The Twist, She's Gorgeous, is not just like so unbelievably funny because she's such a talented comedian, but the way that she incorporates this glamorous feminine persona and her material, and her material is not just spoken. So she goes back and forth between, you know, like just like typical traditional stand up set and musical accompaniment. So some of her jokes are like in the form of songs and some of them are just are spoken and she kind of seamlessly goes back and forth her comedy, it was so unique that I was like, oh my God, she's one of these people who's just going to have an incredible career. And when I see somebody who I think is going to have an incredible career, I'm like, I have to be a part of this. Like I have to interview them so that I can be like, I was a part of their journey. I was a part of, you know, recognizing them. And like, I could just tell who's going to blow up. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's like this weird antenna that I have. I know I'm kind of patting myself on the back right now, but you know. I've done it before, so <laughs> it is what it is. So yeah, so this first episode of season four is with comedian, actress, and writer Katherine Cohen, and we discuss her Netflix comedy special, Catherine Cohen, The Twist. She's gorgeous. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you're doing, and uh, check out this interview with Katherine Cohen. saw your netflix special
1: thank you so much
0: the twist she's gorgeous yes (laughs) okay so that title grabbed me so hard
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad
0: thumbing through how did you come up with that like in your face ironic amazing Type.
1: not not ironic that you're not beautiful yeah, yeah. i'm like okay allison we're fighting right off the bat we're fighting yeah no it actually came the title came from a tweet i did a million years ago i feel like i often will like tw- you know i'll tweet things all the time and then sometimes if i'm trying to come up with material for a show i'll just go through old tweets and look at thoughts i've had uh-huh mm-hmm. and every one in a million they're kind of good so yeah i was just thinking about you know movies like she's all that or just classic kind of rom-com tropes where at the end it's revealed that like actually the nerd is really hot yeah and it's like yeah they're hot the whole time so I was just kind of playing with that trope and just you know I really in my work I'm always trying to be like like hyper confident and just deciding I'm hot and making everyone else believe it because I believe it so that's it felt in line with that that is awesome
0: (laughs) So tell me, how does one get a Netflix special? Ha- like, walk me oh, through
1: that. Wow. Well, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but this was a show <laughs> that I was doing on my own for like five years in New York. So I did it for the first time in 2017 at the Duplex of the West Village with Henry Kaparski who plays piano and helped me write all the songs. And then we did it at Joe's Pub in New York. And then I wanted to take it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and then... Like, right before I was going to do that, I got a message on Facebook, actually, from Steve Brill, who directed the special. I was like, is this spam? He was like, hey, I just directed Adam Sandler's special. I really want to do another one. Like, is that something you're interested in? And I was like, duh. But I was like, this feels too good to be true. Yeah. So we ended up meeting up for coffee, and we just totally vibed, had the same vision. I was like, let's do it. And so then, you know, having him on my team obviously really helped a lot. So then he had a relationship with Netflix, and he kind of helped me make it happen so then we you know had a bunch of meetings with them and and they came robbie prah who works at netflix came to see my edinburgh show and i remember the next day we went for like a long walk and we just sort of talked about like what it could be you know what my dreams were what would make sense for the platform and yeah then i got the offer to do it in 2019 okay and then we were going to shoot it in 2020 lol Anyways, a very now this has become a very long, boring story. But basically, no, no, no. no, Anyways, then we then we finally got to shoot it September twenty twenty one. Okay, and then it it just came out in March. So you
0: shot it in New York. Yeah, we shot it at Joe's
1: Pub, which is nice because that was like you know a place we'd done early versions of it, and a place I feel really comfortable. It was a total dream come true. So I'm just so happy it's out in the world. It's been you know many years in the making.
0: Amazing. So, what's so incredible about your story is that this is a show that you've been cultivating and working on for so long. So, it's so organic. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like you get this offer and then you're writing material and you're, you know, it was just this organic process. Totally. And I love the fact that it was done in like an intimate setting. It was very, very different than your typical Netflix stand up special for so many reasons.
1: Yeah. um, Thank you so much. I feel I was just talking to a friend actually who was like, don't wait to get a book deal. Just write a book and then you'll have it. And at the right time, someone will publish it. Yeah. So that's kind of I didn't ever think. I mean, as soon as I started doing this show, I was like, obviously, it should be a special, but it wasn't like, oh, time to scramble and come up with an hour of material. It was something that was very much a labor of love and came very yeah naturally.
0: And you were, like super smart. You went to Princeton, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I did go there. I don't feel super smart these days, but I did I guess I did well enough in school to get to get there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, cuz oh, that's incredible to me cuz I I got through by the skin of my teeth. So, I'm always like, you know,
1: I this mean, it's like, a very bizarre skill set. It's like I think it, has, yeah. it almost has no reflection on your intelligence it's just like are you obsessive uptight really hard on yourself and a fast reader oh my god and- my
0: son is going straight to the ivy league because <laughs> <it. laughs>
1: oh my god well yeah there you go. it really is like you just have to memorize a bunch of stuff and be absolutely psychotic yeah. and evil towards yourself and then maybe you can get in yeah
0: <laughs> so i mean like so you go there and did you major in like musical theater i mean oh. what was the deal there
1: Yeah. So they don't have a musical theater major. They have like a theater minor. I was an English major. And then I studied, yeah, I got a theater minor and studied some poetry. And yeah, just kind of read a lot of books and talked about my feelings, but knew I wanted to be an actor. I just figured I'll get there when I get to New York and figure that out.
0: So do you consider yourself a stand up? Or do you consider yourself a cabaret performer who's really funny? (laughs) <laughs> How do you classify yourself exactly? Yeah.
1: I think I'm a comedian and an actor and a writer. Mm-hmm. And I do it all and a singer. But yeah, I definitely think I'm a stand-up who does a cabaret show and but you know, the jokes in between the songs are like I can I'll do those around town like just that, you know mm-hmm. stand normal stand-up shows and stuff like that. So, yeah, I like okay. to do it all. So, when
0: you were putting all of this together like in the beginning, were you kind of working out a set of comedy? And then you decided to add music or how did this very unique show come together?
1: Yeah, I had been doing improv and sketch comedy at, at UCB in New York and saw people doing stand up. And I was like, oh, that sounds seems fun, but I'm scared. Started mm-hmm. doing it, really enjoyed it. But I really miss singing because I grew up doing musical theater. So I thought, you know, well, is there a way to write a comedy song that isn't completely embarrassing? And I just met this amazingly talented pianist, Henry Kapirsky, and I said, hey, can we get together? I want to try and write a song. I want to like run some ideas by you. And pretty much as soon as we got together, it felt like very magical. It came really naturally. And we just started writing a bunch of songs together. And then I said, you know, I think I have enough to do a full show of this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we play with me for a full show. And then we've been on that journey ever since. So, yeah.
0: The look on his face, like when, when you say certain things, is priceless. And I'm <laughs> sure he's heard it a hundred times. Like I know. I think that's surprises. very...
1: That's very nice of him because he's heard it literally so many times. I'm I'm sure he's bored out of his mind, but um, he's yeah. very kind. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best.
0: So you are you have an interesting background to me, anyway. So your dad is Jewish, your mom's Catholic. You grew mm-hmm. up in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for starters, are there any Jewish people in Houston, Texas? Or?
1: <laughs> I think there's a lot I'm, of Jewish people in Houston, Texas, but I didn't okay. meet very many of them because you know, as you said, my mom's Catholic. And so we were all confirmed Catholic. And I went to like very religious private schools where everyone was just like very evangelical and very about God. And it was totally damaging and creepy. And thankfully, I went to college and uh, met a bunch of Jewish people and was like, oh, these are my friends. This is my vibe. I forgot I have this side. Yeah.
0: So you felt more of like a kinship with the Jewish part of yourself?
1: Definitely. I just hated all the arbitrary rules. And oh, my God. It was just so like the way the evangelical church teaches women to like be so ashamed of everything and to hide their bodies and their personalities and be submissive to their partners. I was like it was so against everything I felt, everything, also everything my parents had taught me. They didn't teach me any of that. It was just like school and going to church because that was like the cool thing to do. Uh Yeah. So I got really into it because it's, you know, it's like intoxicating. You're going on ski trips, you know, you're like on these highs, you're like meeting boys from different schools. You're like, church is cool. Church is fun. And then you realize you've been sort of brainwashed into believing things that you don't really stand for.
0: So how does your mom feel about that? I mean, because if she sent you to Catholic school, I would imagine that she's like all in.
1: I think her mother is very religious and I think she kind of did it because it meant a lot to her mother. I think my parents Mm -hmm. were always very much like supportive of whatever you want to do, whatever you believe, like, you know, we love you no matter what. So that was very lucky, obviously.
0: I'll tell you why I find that interesting is because, I mean, nowadays it's very commonplace to have mixed religious households and people celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. And, you know, like my son, for example, I'm Jewish, right? White Jewish. Mm -hmm. My ex is actually African-American Jamaican. Mm -hmm. So my son is actually, we decided to raise him Jewish. Mm -hmm. So he's got like a double thing going on. He's mixed race, mixed religion and, and all of that. But I find it interesting because People don't think very much now of a mixed religious household because it is so common now. But I wanted to know from you, from the perspective of a kid. And I guess, you know, it's from decades ago, growing up in a home where you have a Jewish parent and you have a Catholic parent. What does that feel like from the perspective of a kid?
1: I think it sort of felt like my dad wasn't very religious and he we were just doing whatever my mom wanted to do. Okay. Which would sometimes result and us being like, Dad, please don't make us go. Dad, Dad, come on. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. Why do we have to go? Why do we have to go? And he's like, Because you have to go. And I was like, This doesn't make any sense. And I remember one time, like, we were all like waiting in line for communion, which my dad wasn't going to take because he hadn't been, you know, baptized or uh-huh. had his first communion or whatever. And he like snuck it, and my mom got really because he was like, Oh, this is insane. You know, fuck this, whatever. He was like, This is ridiculous. I can, I deserve this. Everyone deserves the spirit of Christ, whatever. So like, he took communion, and then my mom was like, You know mad at him not for long but (laughs) wow wow but yeah I mean they're both like very smart and funny and supportive and open-minded so I feel like it was sort of when I was younger it was a big deal but eventually we weren't forced to go to church or anything like that and then and one of my brothers got really into like exploring our Jewish side one year and like wanted to learn all the Hanukkah, prayers and all that kind of thing. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like I've gotten a little taste of both. It's nice. Yeah, that's cool.
0: My son's having a bar mitzvah this week. Oh
1: my God. Congrats.
0: Thank you. But the rabbi kind of freaked me out because, and I know he's very religious, but all of my relatives get to go up to the Bema and say, do some kind of prayer. And I was like, well, what about his dad? And the rabbi goes, oh no, no, he's not Jewish. He can't do a prayer. And I was kind of like, I didn't want to be rude but in my mind, I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, why can't his father just get up and say a prayer? You know, it's those kind of things that make you just sort of think twice about religious dogma.
1: Totally. Anything that you makes I me mean? feel left out. I'm like, that doesn't seem very full of love. and the It doesn't
0: seem very full of love. And I hope he doesn't no. see this, but you know, that's exactly what went through my mind. I'm like, yeah. well, isn't this supposed to be like, isn't religion supposed to kind of help you to raise your vibration and embrace a more loving aspect of life? And, but then right. you're being exclusionary. And that's what it reminds me of, like when your mom got mad at your dad <laughs> for wanting to take part in that same thing.
1: Yeah, same totally. Thing. I'm like, everyone should yeah. be allowed to come to this thing. If you're really preaching yeah. what if you're practicing, what you preach, as they say.
0: Do you consider yourself
1: to be a spiritual person at all? Definitely. I feel very in tune. I'm very like I believe in God. I don't know what God mm-hmm. is, but there is to me, there is God. I'm endlessly feeling aware of like synchronicities. and I believe everything happens for a reason, and the universe is like taking care of us, like all that kind of stuff I love. And I'm very into a friend actually just got me a tarot deck for my birthday, and I've been, you know, just trying to take some like quiet time to like draw a tarot card in the morning and journal and be aware of like Mm -hmm. what's going on with the planets. I'm just, honestly, I'll believe anything anyone tells me. (laughs) Literally. I'm just like, okay, that sounds great. Like how stupid, I feel like it's so insane when someone's like, well, that's definitely not real. It's like, how do you know? And yes, babe. That's what I I
0: think. I think it is the height of arrogance when somebody says that they know for sure that something is not real. Yes. You know, because like we're limited by our five senses and there's so much more in the universe. How could you possibly say with assurance that something is not real? You could say you don't know. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can't say it's not real. So if you could travel back in time and have an effect on any famous historical event or maybe you like change the course of the event or even just bear witness to it where would you go and what would you attempt to change or impact in some
1: way (laughs) i'm laughing because i'm always like i'm actively not trying to change the world i'm like just trying to enjoy my life like i'm just trying to have a good time Mm -hmm. so where would i go and also i feel um well i actually did past life regression therapy recently have you done that
0: I did once. I did get hypnotized and do that once. Did you like it? Well, who were you?
1: So my first past life, I was an ugly old lady who made bread and wasn't allowed to go to the ball unless she brought a loaf of bread. So I I would go back in time to that first life and say, girl, you deserve to go to the ball. You don't have to bring bread. You can just bring yourself. That's where I'd go. (laughs) <laughs> and then, my other past life, like one, I was like this big warrior soldier caring for my blonde wife, which is interesting is blonde, you know, I'm not usually into blondes, but here we are. And mm-hmm. then I had a past life where I'm convinced I was a nurse caring for a soldier in a war who was actually my boyfriend in real life. But he was like, "That's not true. I would never, you know, I wouldn't do that again <laughs> <laughs> back in time, you know, I have to say this, I don't think about the past much. Besides thinking about, like, fashion, I I think about, like, going back to the 70s or dancing at Studio 54. Sometimes I wish I was part of that era before social media where you could just be an artist and be, like, a little freak and dance around and not have everything, like, documented and measured against the success of your peers. And I doubt it. You know, I'm sure people throughout history have been very hard on themselves, but I feel like it's especially hard these days just being constantly bombarded with the accomplishments of everyone you've ever met or even have ever heard of, it's exhausting. Yes,
0: for sure. Okay, so that's your answer. So you would have loved to like be in that seventies scene, yes. free from social media.
1: Yes, yeah, I like that. Just like fucking around and throwing my body into amazing clothes and staying out all night and yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, look, I can tell you that I I came of age in the nineties mm-hmm. and. I mean, I think I'm a lot older than you. I'm 47. So- You look so young.
1: Oh, thank you. What's your secret?
0: I work my ass off at it. That's my secret. Like- At the, really? Skincare is my religion. I mean, and I will say that nutrition, like tons of Mm. nutrition, tons of fruits, vegetables, water. Yeah. And sunscreen,
1: sunscreen. I know, I just finally- I'm doing like daily sunscreen for so long. I was so bad about it, but now yeah. I'm 30. There's no time. And I have very fair skin, yeah. so.
0: Yeah, no, I'm telling you right now, sunscreen every day. And I use, uh, what is it called? Elta MD.
1: That's what I've heard is very good.
0: So it's not like that gooey, gooey, gross right. sunscreen at all. But yes, and no drinking, no drugs, no cigarettes, oh. no nothing.
1: Sorry. Wow. Have you always been Sorry. totally sober?
0: Yeah, I don't touch alcohol.
1: Oh, I don't touch drugs. Yeah, I definitely like a little bit of that stuff, I want (laughs) to (laughs) say. I definitely enjoy that stuff sometimes. I'm actually, I literally just last night started the process. I'm freezing my eggs and I just started the medications last night. Okay. And so I'm feeling like, well, first of all, I can't, I'm not drinking and I'm like doing like lots of water, but I can't exercise. I can only like walk. I'm feeling kind of like out of my body, but, um, sort of a beautiful human experience, I guess.
0: So when you're freezing your eggs, you can't be extremely physically active during the process
1: at yeah, all, which I didn't expect, I guess, I guess because you're essentially like making your ovaries get huge for lack of a better scientific okay. term. And so there's a danger of if you're like twisting or jumping, like damaging them. Cause they're like big, no I, is with, way! is with the nurse that on the phone. I know, which I never thought of. I was like, oh, perfect. I'll just like, you know, because I've been trying to do more time at the gym, but now I'm just going to go on slow, slow strolls and think about, you know, spiritual questions that you're asking me.
0: Yeah. And you'll come up with an an even better answer tomorrow and you'll be kicking yourself. But but don't,
1: don't beat yourself up. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure.
0: So if you don't mind me asking, how old are you and why have you opted to
1: freeze your eggs? Yeah. I don't have like normal. I'm 30. Yeah. You're super young. Over. I'm, I'm super young. I'm fresh. I, I was saying I have uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So okay. my cycle is very irregular and I don't get regular periods. And I, you know, have been told it might be difficult in the future to get pregnant. And I'm definitely not ready at all. Mm-hmm. So I figured I have some time in New York this summer. Why not? And I have some money saved. Mm-hmm. Why not do it? And then I can just have it not on my mind and just enjoy the next like five years of my life and revisit the matter at a later date.
0: You know what? It's so smart. You're the second person I've interviewed who did that. The actress, really? Tara Reed, she froze her eggs. Oh
1: my God. I love her.
0: Yeah. You, maybe you could have some of her eggs, you know,
1: <laughs> maybe you <could> swap <laughs> <eggs>. <laughs> beautiful.
0: No, I I'm jealous because even though I have a son Had I had the foresight when I was in my early thirties, I probably would have done that because I would love to have another now, but Mm. it's just the timing is just obviously not, you know, realistic, but I'm like, damn, why didn't I think of that? I just, I didn't think of it.
1: Well, it's also like I was watching some educational videos they send you and it's a fairly new process in the grand scheme of things. Like they said, basically around 2000, it became like super popular which is crazy because that's not even that long ago but also it's like it's a pretty intense process and you have to have it's so expensive it's like almost twenty thousand dollars
0: yeah but I would say it's a worthwhile investment exactly if if you're fortunate enough to be able to do it exactly
1: and I just I guess I didn't like I was being kind of casual about it and then yesterday I went to pick up the medication it's like I'm holding like this bag full of needles and I'm like Okay, time to <laughs> inject this random shit into my body and see what happens. Like yeah. it's a little scary, but um I agree. It's definitely worth it. You know, I'm not someone who's like, I'm obsessed with having kids, but I am just so close with my family that I eventually want one Yeah, my own. Yeah, you yeah,
0: having that option, I will tell you that it's the single greatest thing that I ever oh, did.
1: Oh my you god. Know. That's so sweet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your show some more. Are you still touring with the show?
1: No, I'm not. So basically as soon as we as soon as the special came out, I was like I'm done with that material. Okay. I'm doing all new stuff. I just did some I did some shows in London, I did some shows in Austin and LA. And now I'm basically just working on the new hour. So I'm going back to the UK this summer. I'm going to do some dates at the Edinburgh Festival.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: I might do like a fun like encore performance of The Twist, but emotionally I'm ready to move on. Creatively. Okay, Like it's so fun, but I've truly been doing, I did an encore show of it actually right before the special came out in London at the end of early March. Mm-hmm. And it was like the most magical performance. Like it was this great theater and the people there had had tickets for two years cause I was supposed to do it there in 2020. So it was oh, like a wow. el- truly electric audience and this cool venue called the Clapham Grand, which is like this high, like it felt very dramatic. So I kind of felt like I did the big show, the special's out. I need to have some new ideas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what is your creative process?
1: (laughs) It's funny because I just was sitting down this morning being like, okay, girl, I'm so all over the place. Like I think what's so hard is any kind of creative work requires such huge swaths of time and requires like Mm -hmm. getting bored and reflecting. And it's so difficult to do that when we're constantly bombarded with emails and obligations and, you know, freezing our eggs, et cetera, The, (laughs) the classic combo. Basically I do a weekly show in the East village where I'll try out new stuff every week. So that's a great way of like making sure I'm always trying out some ideas with songs. I'll usually sit down with Henry or, you know, another musician and just, I'll come in with lyrics or a melody and we'll try and throw something together a lot of improvising and then with jokes it's a lot of yeah just talking, looking at tweets, seeing what sticks
0: do you find that your greatest ideas come to you when you're not trying to come up with material? Absolutely. Okay so give me an example like something that you would be doing something you know rated PG. That you would be to <laughs> I was
1: just thinking. Everything I say <laughs> is so disgusting. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I'm very big on you can't force it. Like, if it's not coming, you know, whatever. Yeah, but maybe that's just an excuse. Um, I'm trying to think of a good idea that came to me. Well, I have a new song called "Blame It on the Moon" about mm-hmm. blaming all my problems on astrology and saying it's not my fault at all. Like, I'm a mess, or I'm rude, or I'm whatever because of the planets. And I think that phrase just like popped into my head, like while I was laying in bed one night and I I wrote it down, you know, just a lot of like, honestly, if I wake up between like four and Mm 6am and I'm laying in bed and my mind's racing, I'm like a genius. And then it all goes away.
0: (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like those genius moments. Mm -hmm. I feel like they, it's almost like, um, it's not inside you. It comes through you absolutely it's like you channel something inadvertently and then you'd better record it or put it down on paper somehow because just as fast as it came through you it like evaporates if you don't put it down
1: yeah Beyond just a weirdo no no I I totally agree I totally agree and I I very much with everything I do I'm like I think I'm like (laughs) I literally think I'm so talented and a genius but I think that that's literally just because of luck like I don't know why like it's not mine. Things just come to me. It just comes. It's what's in my heart at the moment, but I didn't put it there. Like who knows who did. Yeah. Like, Life is so all completely random. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it's a balance between like being confident and yet realizing that I have nothing to do with any of this.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's a wisdom. There's a wisdom in that in knowing that this didn't come from me. This came through me and having like a healthy respect for that.
1: Totally. You
0: know? So once you made the deal with Netflix, how does it work? Do you have meetings with them? Do they kind of micromanage everything or do they just say you do your thing and we're just going to air it on our platform?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but my experience was kind of like the show was already done Mm -hmm. and they'd seen it and the director and I had the same vision. And so, yeah, they just gave us a budget and we had a production company come on board and We just shot the show and then that was pretty much it. You know, I got to be in the editing room. I got to, like I was, you know, one of the producers. So I got to make Mm -hmm. all the calls and I just felt very supported and lucky. And Steve is just such an amazing director. He did visually what I was seeing in my mind that I would, you know, lack the skill set to do. And Mm -hmm. it was honestly a very easy, seamless process because as you said, it had just been like an organic thing of I had this piece mm-hmm. I was ready to share. And so then it was just about capturing it. And will you do another one for them? At I some hope point? so. If they ask, okay. who knows? I don't know how this works. Yeah. I would love to do another one. We'll see what the universe throws my way. I very much feel like with any of this like showbiz stuff, it's just like, no one knows until you're doing it. Cause no one tells you and there's no rules. And I've <laughs> been, you know, you work on things that disappear or you do something like this where it's like, you know, you made this thing and all of a sudden it's on Netflix. So it's like, you never know. Until I'm pressing play on something on my TV, I'm like, who the hell knows where that's going? Right. Yeah.
0: And I always say that for me anyway, I never know why people say no, and I never know why people say yes. So I just don't analyze it.
1: Oh, <laughs> it's a good way to be. It's hard to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I've kind of done. You know, it's like, oh, you want to do this? But well, great.
1: Oh, you don't? Okay. I don't know. I just was like pitching a project and got a bunch of no's. And I kind of was just like, okay, this has nothing to do with me. Ultimately, like mm-hmm. whatever. I'm yeah. Out of my control. From what I've studied and even from
0: all of the people I've interviewed, the one thing that everybody has in common that I've interviewed is that they all were so set on a vision that nothing could interrupt that vision. There might be like a little blip here, a little blip there, but otherwise it was like tunnel vision,
1: you know? I definitely connect with that. I'm like, well, of course I'm going to make a fabulous TV show or movie or whatever. I don't know when or how, but of course.
0: You know what you should watch? I don't know if you've seen this. Hmm. And I think it's from the History Channel, but they have some episodes on Hulu. It's called The Food That Built America.
1: Ooh. What Watch about?
0: the food that built America, because it goes into the guy who made Heinz ketchup, Hershey, the guy who made Hershey bars, the guys who did like uh, Domino's pizza. I mean, there's like a million like Kellogg cereal, and these guys were just like nothing was getting in their way. It was just like boom, <laughs> you know. And I was just I was floored because I'm like. You went broke several times, mm-hmm. like this didn't work, that your factory burnt down and like you kept going. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. It
1: I, and I don't know where the belief comes from, but it's definitely there. Yeah.
0: That's what it takes. I've been wondering this. I'm following it on Instagram. The Netflix has this new brand called Netflix is a joke,
1: right? Yeah. I guess that's like their comedy arm. That's their comedy arm. And they okay? just did a big festival in LA, which was super fun. Is that something that were you a part of that? Yeah, I did a bunch of shows. It was like two weeks ago. It was great. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. I love that they are supporting the art form of comedy. I love that they created that division. I think it's the most awesome thing.
1: It's amazing. It's very, yeah, it's very rare. They're, you know, singular in how many cool specials they make and stuff. And I feel so lucky that they gave, you know, their huge platform to something that I do, which is so, um, has been, I don't think it is, but it's been described, as very niche, though I think it's universal.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the way that you did it, the way that you put it together, is niche, and that it's extremely unique to you. I d- I don't know if, like, I mean, the only name that comes to mind is maybe Carol Burnett. Love it. Y- you know what I mean? The way that she would kind of incorporate all these different things into her comedy, she would sing a little, dance a little, mm-hmm. do some jokes. But I think it's pretty unique to you, like the way that you. I mean, it's universal, but what you did. What caught my attention is that I had never seen a stand-up special quite oh, like that. It.
1: Yeah, Thank you. yeah. I think you know you forget when you're doing it all the time that it's different. I'm just like, oh yeah, of course this is what I do. You know, but uh, yeah, that's cool. What is the greatest
0: advice you've ever received?
1: <gasps> I mean, there's so many good ones. One I think about a lot is that people do what they want to do. You can only control yourself. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to do with anyone else. Like I I think about it a lot in terms of like romantic relationships. Like, you know, you can't force someone to love you, but same with creative partnerships. Like if it's not working, it's not working. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of trusting that you can only do what you want and you can't really concern yourself with or take personally why other people do what they do, but it's very difficult. Obviously I take everything personally. Well, who gave you that advice? My friend's mom. Okay. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's just like whatever you're worried about that if it involves someone else it's like that's not don't has nothing to do with you just yeah. do your own thing
0: and what is something about yourself that continues to be a work in progress that you, you <laughs> find it keeps coming up and you got to kind of
1: oh my work god on it? literally everything god sometimes I feel like have I literally matured at all I think The main thing that I haven't even begun to deal with that I don't even know how is just the way I talk to myself is so mean and I would Mm -hmm. never talk to my friends this way. And I don't even know how to begin unlearning it, but I don't even know how life would be if I wasn't constantly like telling myself I wasn't enough in various ways. Hmm.
0: Do you think that's like a driving force that propelled you to getting where you are so far?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm constantly convinced that if I wasn't successful, I'd be like inherently unworthy. and a lo- My boyfriend told me I wasn't allowed to use the word loser anymore because I keep – I'm like, they're a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. He's like, what, what, what are you even saying? Don't use the word loser anymore. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. yeah, I'm constantly convinced that like I have to be the most successful person in the world or I'm a loser. It's a very, you know, Princeton mentality. I actually just went to my college reunion last weekend and I was just thinking about how hard on myself I've been for so long, but it does often yield results though. It's taking a toll. So I'm trying to figure out how to be productive without losing my mind. Do you think that it's
0: like a fear? Like if I stop being hard on myself, I may not continue to succeed. So it's almost like a superstition.
1: Absolutely. Like even, you know, I've been, since the special came out, just trying to like rest and like refocus and figure out what I want to do, which makes sense. But I feel Mm -hmm. very guilty. Like Like, oh, I haven't done anything today. I haven't done anything. Oh, God. Like, I'm just, you know, looking at my phone. And then I try to remind myself that the way I got to making the first thing was sitting around enough on my phone and being bored that I, you know, had some kind of creative spark. I don't uh, know. Okay. It's hard.
0: I don't know. I don't know. So what do you think you came into this life as Catherine Cohen to learn? And what do you think you came here to teach?
1: Oh, wow. These are really, really getting into it. Came here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like chill out, <laughs> like okay. slow down, chill out. It's just for fun. It's okay. just a game. Enjoy it. To teach literally, I to teach everyone that they're absolutely fabulous. You should have the most amazing, like you're deserving of everything. You should laugh, laugh, laugh. You should live. You should, you deserve all the extravagant things you want. You should, every day should be glamorous and fabulous and don't take no for an answer. Okay. I like that. (laughs) I don't know. I I sound like a total hedonist, but maybe, maybe I am.
0: No, I like, so the, the wardrobe and everything that you had for your Netflix special, everything Mm -hmm. was like girly girl, frilly pink, over the top glam. Yeah. You know, like the makeup was glam. Everything was super glamorous. And I'm guessing that's a continuation
1: of that theme. Yeah. I see just the world. Yeah. I mean, clothes are so important to me, like the way people dress and decorate their rooms and just like the way we choose to express ourselves visually is like, I'm obsessed and I've always been drawn to, yeah, very elaborate, you know, over the top fashions <clears throat> and styles and also hyper feminine too, which I think, you know, I hadn't seen a ton of with like stand up. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of like jeans or hoodies or whatever. And I was like, well, obviously I'm wearing something like incredible.
0: Yeah. It's so funny that you say that. Cause I remember I had this really stupid thought when I was in my early 20s. And the thought was this, I could either be funny or pretty,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but
0: not both. So I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to choose pretty, you yeah. know, and, and because it's so stupid. I don't know why I thought that
1: what is that about? I think that's kind of what we're told. I think because I was not considered pretty or because, you know, as I sing in the special, boys never wanted to kiss me. I was like, well, I better be funny and get some attention. So you kind of I think we were like raised in this world where we're sort of forced to pick a lane. Mm-hmm. And I think I and many other women are saying that's absurd. You know, look at us. LOLing and looking absolutely gorgeous. The twist, she's gorgeous. Yeah,
0: yeah. And by the way, you are very pretty. I don't know where you got the idea that you
1: weren't. I don't know if you, you know, but. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think everyone has all their insecurities and. Maybe. Yeah, I just think, especially when you're younger, like you, your self-worth is, at least mine was so directly tied to male attention and Mm -hmm. affection and didn't get any of it. I'm so grateful. Thank God. It'd be so boring if I had just decided to you know, yeah. Worry about that stuff instead of myself.
0: Yeah, totally. So from what I hear, you have a TV show coming out or you're working on a TV show yes. for Freeform.
1: I'm so excited. I shot this pilot, this amazing TV writer named Kristen Newman wrote this memoir a few years ago called what I was doing while you were breeding
0: mm-hmm. about
1: sort of her decision to you know, end a long-term relationship and travel the world right as all her friends were settling down. So it's kind of and like having imprint kids love vibes. Yeah. trying yeah. To have kids. Yeah. Exactly. Breeding. And so <laughs> she has turned the memoir into a TV show and we shot the pilot in the fall and we just found out that it got picked up. So we're going to do a full season of it for Freeform, And we're going to start shooting, you know, sometime later this year. So I'm, it's exciting. Oh my God. It's so exciting. And I play like the lead girl's best friend. Mm-hmm. And the lead is this girl named Chelsea Fry, who's just like so, so funny and talented. And we've become like totally obsessed with each other. So I feel really lucky to, you know, get to work with her for a few months instead of like shooting something and never seeing each other again. I'd be devastated. So is it a half hour comedy? Is it? It's um an hour dramedy. Oh, okay. It's got it all.
0: Interesting. So it's basically, it's that phenomenon of your are these ladies in their thirties, I'm assuming?
1: Yeah. It's sort of early thirties, like have just, I think, you know, I think in the book she's just turned like 30 or 31. Okay.
0: All right. So it's that prime breeding age. Yeah. That's.
1: I know. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. It's like, I guess my friends are doing that. I guess slowly people are doing that, but not really. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, I think I was pregnant at 33.
1: Wow. Yeah. So it's,
0: yeah, it's like right in that. You know. It definitely
1: feels soon, but then you forget how much can happen in a year. So who knows?
0: Yes. Okay. So at 30, I was actually single. There was like nothing oh. on the horizon. So I didn't even meet my ex till I was 32. So yeah, things can
1: change like,
0: like that. We actually met serving food to the homeless at the Bowery Soup Kitchen in Manhattan.
1: Oh my God. How heartwarming.
0: That's so beautiful.
1: (laughs) That's a a karmic lesson. Like go do something good and you'll fall in love, babe. Yeah. What happened was I had
0: actually just had a really bad breakup and I was thinking like, well, let me do something good for humanity to heal. Uh So I called up the Bowery Soup Kitchen and shelter and I was like, I want to come down and volunteer and like serve people. And, And they said, well, you can't do it by yourself. You have to come in a group. We don't take individual volunteers anymore. So I actually put out the word, I emailed everybody I knew and I was like, I need 10 volunteers or they won't let me do this. And I just, Uh I don't know. And it was like a friend of a friend of a friend passed the email on to my ex who got in touch with me and said, oh, this sounds cool. I'd love to be a part of it. You know?
1: (sighs) Isn't that amazing? Like one day you don't know someone and then they're like such a huge part of your life.
0: Yeah. And it was so like, after we served the food, we had to do cleanup. Mm-hmm. And we both stuck our hands in this like soapy bucket with sponges at the same time and like oh, looked at each other. It was what a like, so cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so sweet. And then you guys did the whole thing. You got Prague at 33. How beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always say like we were meant to cross paths because my son was meant to like be born. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't even about us. Yeah. It was like he was meant to be created.
1: That's so beautiful. it's crazy. Oh, I love it's that. It's some
0: crazy shit. It, like being a parent just makes you think of all this crazy shit about like destiny and the circle of life and, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I, you don't think of before.
1: No, I'm definitely not. I'm yeah. thinking about my <laughs> tweets. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like You're talking about destiny. I mean, yeah, I'm, t- I'm thinking about my tweets. That's it's not. Yeah. No, but the, it's like, like it's worth the do.
0: price of admission because it's like such a head trip. It brings you into this other dimension where you start oh thinking God. about all this like deep stuff.
1: I know. I hope it works out for me. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you all posted. Freeze those eggs, baby. I'm getting them frozen. It's really so surreal. They can even do that. Like watching the videos, I'm just like, this is insane sci fi chaos. Yeah. But good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a I love, oh my God, I love medicine. I love doctors. I'll take whatever pill you give me. I'm addicted to going to the doctor.
0: <laughs> well, that's the Jewish side. Oh, yeah, exactly.
1: It's very prominent okay so
0: while you were reading it comes out on freeform network when's you know
1: not for a while because we haven't even shot it so maybe next okay. year yeah okay so
0: next year sometime and then the twist she's gorgeous is still on netflix i'm assuming please, right
1: please stream it and i have a book of poetry as well if you enjoy the poems i read in the special it's called god i feel modern tonight it's nice. available wherever books are sold so okay yeah
0: awesome I want
1: to thank you. You oh my are God, thank so, you so cute. much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so, so fun. So
0: hopefully, as you guys can tell, if you've been listening to slash watching my previous episodes and as well as listening to the opener on this one, like I'm such a geek, like I'm so corny and I just absolutely love Having these conversations. I, I just, I, I love it. Like, I'm just like a pig rolling around in mud. I, I just, this has been the journey of a lifetime. It just makes my heart swell. I don't know if any of you guys have found that one thing in life that just makes your heart just go bananas and you're like, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But this is really it for me. I am just having the time of my life. You know, and I had such a good time talking to Catherine. She's so funny. She's so cute. Like, I I love her work. I can't wait to see more of what she does. So yeah, check out the Netflix special, Catherine Cohen, The Twist. She's gorgeous. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode of season four and I will catch you on the next one. Peace.